Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Getting the smile and confidence you've been dreaming about all from the comfort of your home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all your friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week we focus on their stories. This is CBS Ion Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Ion Veterans. I am Navy veteran Phil Briggs reporting for the military and veteran lifestyle website, ConnectingVets.com. And uh, we'll kick off today's show with kind of a look at the year that was 2021 and maybe a look ahead into some trends to look for for the veteran lifestyle in 2022. And to help me do that is my colleague, former Special Forces and uh, Army veteran Jack Murphy. Jack, how you doing, buddy? I'm good, Phil. How are you? Really good. And Indeed. And uh, happy fart and cookie week, as I like to call this week. This has been the week between the Christmas and New Year's holiday where everybody just kind of, you know, if you go to an office, you just sort of fart around the office and don't do much. If you uh, are at home working from home, you're just face full of cookies all week. Well, long. Yeah, maybe do it. Maybe do it both as you crush, uh, you know, a six pack of craft IPAs at uh, mom's house. And uh, fill your mouth full of like, uh, you know, ham and mashed potatoes <laughs> and pasta and every other thing. You are definitely not ready for any direct action right now, Jack. I'm sure you're about eight pounds over fighting weight. <laughs> uh, incidentally, you said craft beer. Can I give a shout out? Costco advent calendar this year. Really, really swell. Um, I got the I got a beer advent calendar. It was a oh, really? box. Yeah, it was a box of 24 16-ounce craft beers from Germany. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, these were everything from the exotic and sort of heritage craft beers. Some of the breweries went back to like the 1500s, um, all the way up to like maybe sort of newer pop commercial craft beer brands. But they were all in German. You had to like literally look it up online with the beer tasting app. And it was phenomenal, man. I, I drank about half a dozen Hella's lagers, which I think by calorie count goes is the equivalent to drinking a loaf of sun of a uh, sunbeam bread, but um, <laughs> no shame, man. I loved it. All right. Let's, uh, let's take a look at the year that was 2021. 
we covered a lot of different stories this year. You have the unique sort of angle here with ConnectingVets.com as our crime beat guy. And sometimes you cover sort of the dark and the, you know, nefarious worlds. Um, a look into your interview calendar would just make me scared, Jack, because you cover <laughs> some dark stuff. But uh, share with me some of the highlights or at least a couple stories that you thought were sort of compelling. Yeah, sure. I mean, one of the big ones in 2021 was a story that I followed uh, going back to the previous year and came into 2021 was um, Michael Taylor, the Green Beret who smuggled Carlos Ghosn out of Japan. And uh, I followed him in his case uh, and his eventual extradition to Japan. He, he pled guilty in the Japanese courts and is serving his sentence in Japanese prison right now. Um, so kind of a culmination of that story happened in 2021. And now, you know, we're, we're waiting for Michael's release. Hopefully he'll get out in 2022. And real quick, bring me up to speed. When you say he smuggled a human being out of Japan, um, who was the human and why was he smuggling him? It was Carlos Ghosn, who was the former CEO of Nissan, the car company. And he got into some trouble. He was accused of like embezzling funds by the Japanese authorities. Uh, Ghosn contends that he was simply trying to broker a deal with Renault, another car company, and the Japanese didn't like some French car company coming in and buying up a Japanese company. Um, so <laughs> what exactly is true there depends on who's telling the story, I suppose. Um, but it, it's quite a, uh, quite an interesting tale. And, uh, I look forward to talking to Michael when he gets, when he gets back home. <laughs> That's awesome. What else you got? I know you covered some other cool veteran stories. Yeah, sure. Another one is I covered a missing person story. Uh, this one is down at Fort Bliss. Uh, the soldier's name is Richard Halliday. Uh, he went missing in July of 2020 from his air defense unit, and he is missing to this day. So I interviewed some of his family members and dug as deep as I could into his unit and what was going on there. The guy really vanished without a trace, uh, and we're still looking for him today. In your reporting, in your investigation, did you see any direction? I, was he involved uh, with anything off post that was, you know, drug related, gang related? No, nothing, nothing too clear. Um, he was getting into some trouble in his unit. Um, he got a DUI, but there was also a lot of um, substance abuse going on inside this unit. Apparently in, in this air defense unit, there's a lot of drug use, a lot of alcoholism. Uh, a lot of disciplinary problems. So, I mean, Richard was not unique, I suppose, in that sense, but he was getting into some trouble. Um, There's some talk about chaptering him out of the military. And then he, uh, he, he vanishes during quarantine. His barracks was uh, like locked down on a COVID uh, quarantine and uh, he disappears and his unit did not handle it very well at all. Um, they really weren't making any effort to try to find him until uh, a congressperson got involved. And of course, you've been uncovering things like that with the way the military protocol handles situations uh, yeah. you know, your whole career. And uh, sadly, if Jack Murphy comes knocking at your door, uh, you might be having a bad day. Yeah. <laughs> if, yeah if Jack's yeah, asking you questions. A lot of times. You're like the new Chris Hansen to me. Like if, 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 <laughs> if Jack Murphy is asking you questions, you know, here, have some cookies. Let's talk. Uh, you're about ready to have a very uncomfortable conversation because hey, uh, Phil, can, can you take a seat right here? It says on this transcript that you want to her. Could you explain that to me? I have these texts. I'm not quite sure what this emoji means. <laughs> Why three eggplants? Why? 
All right. right. We did both kind of cover a story together that sort of, I think, defined the veteran world. The Black Rifle Coffee controversy this year sort of exposed, I think, what the veteran community, I don't want to call it a rift, but it showed the layers of who the veterans are and the vast differences between the types of them. And specifically, after an interview in the New York Times, they were called the coffee of the right. And then they went on to say that they didn't like some people who hate. They didn't like others who were racist and they didn't like others that were just plain, uh, you know, violent and, you know, basically jerks and their core customer base, a percentage of them boycotted the coffee brand. And They even tied Kyle Rittenhouse into their argument for boycotting the coffee brand, which really had nothing to do with anything about coffee or that Black Rifle Coffee controversy revealed something about veterans in America today. Well, I I think that you summed it up quite well. I would would only add that it's not just veterans, but also civilians who kind of genuflect on veterans and, and see us as a political vehicle for their ideologies and their beliefs. Um, so these things kind of go hand in glove, right? There, there's those people out there who almost served, or I was going to serve, but, but instead of serving, they just subscribe to a coffee company, and uh, and that makes them feel like they're tough. And you know, we're the strong Americans, we're the good guys, we're the patriots, blah 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 blah. And uh, then this controversy came around and kind of really showed that that split, right? Um, and it, it was in so many ways a fake controversy from my point of view. I mean, at the worst, you could say Black Rifle Coffee has some pretty bad comms. They they maybe need to hire a strategic comms person or PR person to do that kind of stuff for them. But it was, as you said, it was not really a bad article. It was the CEO of the company saying like, yeah, we, we're not like a racist company. We're not a, about anti-Semitism. Like, that's not what, who we are, what we're about. Um, and, uh, a part of their customer base is in fact that <laughs> then they had to deal with that fallout that they had attracted a lot of these goobers over the years, you know, from their point of view, maybe that, uh, maybe that was a necessary thing to do. That was like some creative destruction for them to grow their company and what they see as a positive direction. And since that time, the company, I believe they've gone public. Um, they're growing. They're like a $400 million company. They want to be a $1 billion company. They want to have coffee shops all over the country. So in order to do that, they're going corporate. I mean, that's how it works. You can make fun of them or call them sellouts or whatever, but I mean, that's how corporations function. So, you know, get over it. Do you feel that this Black Rifle Coffee controversy revealed sort of the population of the veteran community? Partly, I think I think to a certain extent it does, but I think more likely it reveals an aesthetic and it reveals an aesthetic that is a part of America's culture wars and it plays into something much bigger. Indeed, and like every other group in America, you could take the people from Wyoming, uh, people that lived in upstate New York, and you could take a group of them. And within that group, you would find dozens of different philosophies, dozens of different attitudes toward government, dozens of different attitudes towards guns. The veteran community is not, I've heard you say this before, we're not a monolithic group. We don't all think alike because we serve together. When we get out and we become veterans, we too, you know, become 
a kaleidoscope of different political yeah. ideologies of, you know, different ways of life. Right. And, and that's why, I, you know, when, when we do this, when I do this, Phil, like I try to like be upfront about the fact that like, I don't speak for all veterans. I, I, I can't, no one really can because it's such a, it's such a diverse group of people. Nor can we speak for those that just want to be like us. And frankly, I'm sorry for those that are out there, you know, wearing their, uh, battle rattle in line at Arby's and they're looking like meal team six. Uh, hey, it's you a, can it, sign up for my $5,000, uh, masculinity course brunch with Jack Murphy. And I'll teach you to be a man. Uh, you just write the check out to me. Uh, I prefer cash. Um, you can pay me in Bitcoin or NFTs. Also I'm accepting those now. And, uh, I will teach you all about masculinity and how to be a man. Um, no, I'm joking. I, I got confused with another Jack Murphy this year. Um, another guy who goes by Jack Murphy, but it's not his real name. Um, it's embarrassing. <laughs> this so-called masculinity expert, he wrote an article in the past about how he's literally a cuck. He, he likes to like, have his girlfriend go on Tinder dates and, and have other men. I share the same name as this, this fruity lunatic. And uh, I was getting all his hate mail. Uh, you know, as funny as that is, that actually dovetails nicely into looking ahead at 2022. <laughs> and there is a trend you kind of talk about there in the veteran community where we are monetizing. Talk to me a little bit about that. Like, do you see that continuing and growing even more now that a lot of guys are getting out um, because, the you know, because Afghanistan closed, because Iraq is not active anymore because our mission set has changed so radically i think we're going to have a lot more veterans in 2022 talk to me about how you think or how you see the world of veterans monetizing and making money in the years to come uh i I think that yeah you're absolutely right this this war uh, 20 years of war has produced a large number of you could say combat veterans or veterans who are deployed whatever the case may be the war has produced quite a few veterans right that are now getting out and going into public spaces. The monetization of, of your previous military service is certainly nothing new. Um, and let's be clear, I've been right at the center of that for the last decade. Uh, I was one of the first guys, one of the first uh, special forces or ranger veterans to kind of come forward and use my experience uh, to parlay it into another sort of job in the public sphere, um, which was writing and, and journalism. Um, and I was part of a startup company and we did all of that. Um, so yeah, I, I'm very much at the heart of it. And I, I have tried to, I, I've tried to use that, that platform responsibly. I have failed at certain times in my life, but again, the veteran community is diverse. All sorts of different people are going to come into this space and they're going to say what they have to say. Um, I, I will point out that if you have ever been to the shot show in Las Vegas, the market for this type of, let's say, content, this sort of military aesthetic, it is bottomless. It is bottomless. We're talking about tens of billions of dollars a year, if not more. Uh, it are, there's a bottomless interest in military tactical gear and guns. It is endless in this country. Um, so the market is there. Uh, the supply and demand uh, factors are there. The veterans are coming out of the military, continuing to come out of the military, and you will see them in all sorts of different venues doing all sorts of different things. Some of them doing amazing, great things. Some of them are going to do horrible, even criminal things. 
some of them are just going to be doofuses and embarrass all of us. Uh, you're going to see all the all of that ha- continue to happen, and and I think you're right, Phil. I think you will see it increasingly grow. Um, you know, maybe over the next decade. I always think it's crazy how many more workout videos, how many more coaching schools, how many more fitness things there are as compared to 2017 when we got started here at connectingvets.com and um, how many more books there are. It just seems like there's more and more of everything. I guess I'd never been to shot show. Uh, So as you've described that bottomless, endless appetite for this type of content um, is wild to me because we are such a small group of individuals. You know, the veterans that served are not, you know, the largest group in this country by far, but yet the rest of the country wants these things, whether they're workout videos, whether they're fitness training, whether they are, whether they're just podcasts about war stories. And um, I've always been taken with one of our interviews we did years ago, promoting the book Murphy's law by Jack Murphy, an autobiography (laughs) Um, writing about their experiences. And that oftentimes it, it devolves into just how many Brown people I killed. And that's actually quote, from our previous interview, I remember right. saying that. Right. Again, there, there's a definitely a tough guy aesthetic that civilians like to plug into and veterans like to plug into too. I mean, sometimes we like to tell war stories and talk about the cool guy stuff that we did, which is perfectly understandable. But then there's, there becomes this sort of like fetishization of the military as well. And I think one of the trends that I would point to in t- for 2022 that I, I think people should keep an eye on which I have found very interesting over the last few years and growing over the last year is the way the military is being perceived in public spaces and who is attacking it. Um, Because in the past we became quite used to attacks against the military coming from the left, that they would accuse the military of being, you know, an enclave of right-wing politics uh, that people who are in the military are dumb um, that are, they're baby killers that they're just bad people who just follow orders from a criminal government. Uh, you guys, you know, me and you were old enough to remember like the Michael Moore era and the types mm-hmm. of criticisms that were lobbed against the military. I think that America has gone through some sort of fundamental shift. And I think a lot of it, it has to do with our previous president. I'm afraid um, that the military is now being seen by the right as an enclave of a left-wing politics that there's this perception that soldiers are sitting around learning about diversity and critical race theory and reading uh, Karl Marx. And so the right is is now attacking the military with increased frequency, uh, saying the military needs to stop doing, uh, you know, stop teaching CRT classes, which I have no idea where that exists in the military, but we're told it does. <laughs> um, and they, they, they need to focus on combat and training for war instead. Um, so the, it's, it's, a, it's a false narrative, completely false from my perspective, but it's interesting that this is like the conversation that is, it's unfolding now in public spaces. I mean, we, we see it on like Tucker Carlson, like mainstream television. It, um, these arguments and, and these, uh, these claims are being, lever- uh, being made by the American right. So it's very interesting to watch that evolve. And, and it makes you wonder where, where we're going with all of this. Mm. In fact, I, I, I'm going to remember that exact, the comment you just made a little bit later this afternoon. Um, as we record this, I'm at my in-laws house in North Carolina and our neighbor 
is a near guy and love talking to him. Kids get together and play in the lawn, but you're right. The things I hear people debating on the news channel are never what he tells me is actually going on, you know, in the shop at work. We're worried too much about this and that, and that, you know, liberalism is seeping into all these corners and, and there are veterans out there who perpetuate these myths about the military. Like, like they should know better and they should be doing a better job of informing the public of what's really going on in the military. Um, you know, what, what is really happening in the military today? I mean, the military is not some sort of um, holdout uh, for like 1860s racism, the way many on the left make it sound as if the military is just this horrible racist institution. Uh, And it's also not filled with Marxists and uh, woke ideology as people on the right say, I mean, this is not really what's happening in the military. And uh, although the military makes mistakes uh, we're fortunate to have a, a force that is largely nonpartisan, and it's kind of sad to see the partisan politics being injected into into the Department of Defense by from the outside, from these news commentators and others. Mm, so frustrating. You're right. You're right. As we talk a little bit, and and you kind of led into it there. Trends, of course, for 2022. What is what are your hopes for 2022? Are are you hoping that the veteran community can get answers to some problem that is going on right now? Are you hoping for something specific as a veteran in America? Well, I'll say this: when when we talk about the the subject of hope, I, I think something you take away from 2021 was the evacuation of the Afghans from Kabul and the way the entire veteran community really came together and worked on this issue and supported one another. And it's like nothing I've ever seen before. Again, I've been doing this for like 10 years now. I've never seen that level of cooperation and and people being helpful and everyone willing to chip in and do something. And if our veterans were like that every day, this would be a radically different country. This would be an amazing country that we live in. It doesn't have to be partisan. We chip in and, and work towards, you know, common goals and, and, and things that will make our country better and stronger. Um, and I, I wish that that moment that, that it, amongst this horrible crisis and this horrible tragedy, there was this beautiful moment. Um, and, and that does give me some some amount of hope. Um, and I hope that we can come together like that more often. Right on. Yeah, a special shout out to some of the vets out there doing huge work too. I know uh, Matt Zeller, uh, you know, has been first and foremost with trying to fight to get, you know, our Afghan allies out and to, you know, help those that served with our brothers and sisters out there who uh, made some huge sacrifices in the last two decades. So I agree with you there. Very good point. Uh, I guess I'll leave with my, or I'll end with my hope for 2022. And that's um, that Congress, you know, gets off their arse and passes Uh, or somehow combines both bills that are stuck at the damn finish line right now. You have one in the Senate and one in the House that are going to address toxic exposure and are going to have veterans eligible to receive benefits and health care for the variety of cancers and illnesses and diseases that are caused by burning crap in Afghanistan and Iraq that we're not allowed to burn here. And we don't need any more science to know that vets are dying every single day, every single week from these diseases. And Congress sits there now with a bill that has a price tag on it in the Senate and one that they're waiting for the COB in the House. 
And I've had both Senator Tester and Representative Mark Ticano tell me, you know, well, they're for it and they want to push it forward. Um, Congress, get off your ass. 2022, combine those bills, take them to whatever you have to do to get them both blended and pass some legislation. Because that interview with Secretary McDonough and John Stewart was disgusting, where he couldn't even tell you what the benchmark he was looking for to give these veterans benefits. He just stumbled and stammered and said science and he's waiting and there's a process and that's BS. So my hope is that, um, you know, they get their crap together and uh, fix that. With that, uh, I always look forward to more writing from Jack Murphy, man. You got uh, uh, one that's coming out, if it's not already out, about a PPE scandal that's that's going on. What's the headline on that one? Uh, I'll tell you one second here. When an ex-con got scammed in a Thai PPE deal, he put together a team. Then they all went to jail. <laughs> Honestly, I shouldn't laugh, but it is, it's a sordid story about uh, Special Forces veteran or Marine Corps veteran and uh, a, an ecstasy dealer and trying to get their hands on PPE and make some money. And then somebody gets ripped off and then somebody else goes in there and they try to like, I don't know, like you pull some guy out of a restaurant and take him hostage and torture him to get their money back. I mean, it's just all this stuff. There's an escort girl involved. There's, uh, you know, a Thai prison at one point. Um, you talk about a fascinating read that's there's, probably bound yeah, to be a it's, movie. It's a colorful story. And I mean, there's a few characters that I, I, I agree not to mention that would make the story even more colorful. You'd be like, oh, my gosh. Um, but uh, it, it's a it's a, a nice, like, kind of long-form story that I, I hope people would uh, give a read over the holidays. And it, it, it is it is colorful and fun. And, uh, it what you know, it a few people spent some time in jail, which was not so fun, of course, but nobody got seriously hurt or killed in this story, unlike some of the other stuff I write. So it, it is something that I hope the participants um, can look back on and laugh at, at some point in their lives. You know, um, it, it definitely make a, a chapter in their memoirs for sure. So funny, man. And, and it involves a serious issue, which is medical waste being imported into the United States as PPE. Um, so it's fraudulent, you know, imports that are that are being done um, that are that are dangerous. And these guys did try to expose that, you know. Mm. And Jack Murphy exposed the story. Your thumb is always on the dangerous pulse of the weird, the wild and the dark that happens in the veteran community. When Jack Murphy comes knocking on your door, uh, it's bound to be an interesting conversation. Appreciate all you do for ConnectingVets.com, my brother. And uh, have yourself a happy new year. Yeah, thank you, Phil. You too, man. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. The Hargan women seem to have it all. From the outside looking in, we were blessed. My mom was amazing. But as detectives would soon learn, there was a lot going on inside the Hargan household. Ashley and I have been calling my mom and the house and Helen. No one's answering. 63-year-old Pamela Hargan gunned down in her own home. Her youngest daughter, Helen, lay dead upstairs. Patrol, when they arrived, assumed or thought that there might have been a murder-suicide. But for the detectives on the scene... There were things about the scene itself that were concerning to us on day one. Who would want to kill their mother and their little sister? There is no boogeyman here. It is exactly who we think it is. I'm Peter Vance Sat from 48 Hours. This is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan Family Killings early and ad-free on Wondery Plus starting May 1st.